0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, his reign in our lives, where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. And good morning, everyone. Yeah, do you appreciate worship today? I know, yeah, it's just so good, so good. His faithfulness. Could we do something with the lights? Like I'm blinded up here. (laughs) Ah, there you are. Okay, good. Wow, it's like a miracle you just appeared. Um, How many of you realize that without the faithfulness of God, you might not even be alive today? Is that true? It is so true. I can think of about four times that you know my life was on the line, drowning three times, uh, four total car accidents. I wasn't driving in all of those, OK? Just saying. <laughs> Went through the windshield of a Volkswagen, pulled my head back in. It was all bloody. I took my coat off, wrapped it around my head just to make sure I kept my nose and eyelids and everything you know, so they could put me back together at the hospital. But, um, God has been faithful to us. He's been very faithful to every single one of us. It's like walking on this earth today, there's a sense of awe about the fact that He has been so faithful to us, knowing that His reign is in our lives. Is Jesus reigning in your life today? That's a great idea. I like the affirmation of that. You know, it's like when you get married, I will, I do, you know, and then things happen and then you don't and you won't. (laughs) But, But we really do want Jesus Christ reigning completely, you know, in our lives. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done so that we can experience this incredible life of liberty in Christ. Now, there's things that happen in life. You know, I mean, our hearts are burdened. Your hearts are burdened for, you know, members of the church that are facing sickness. People need healing and people are hurting. Our title today is Healing for the Hurting. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, that the assurance, speaking of faith, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. King James says, now faith is a substance. Our faith is substance. It's something you can hang on to. It's a spiritual reality of things that we hope for, and it is the evidence of things that are not seen. I heard a story. Faith is powerful. Faith is incredible. Um, I, I like using this illustration of faith. You know, um, I don't know. You, you have money in the bank, right? How many of you have money? You got money? Let's see your hands. Money. Okay, good. Now we're going to take an offering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but we have an off. We no, <laughs> we have money. You know, let's say you have um, five thousand dollars in the bank, right? Have you ever seen that money? you have 10,000, you have a CD, right? Have you ever seen your money? You, you are people of faith. You actually think your money's in the bank. <laughs> you just believe it, right? You get a statement, there's a number, it's, a, it's cheap ink on cheap paper, and you believe it. Well, God's Word says all kinds of amazing things, and we want to hear from Him this morning So that we can be a people who walk in faith to begin to experience some of the promises that he has for our lives. He's called us to live in complete freedom. He's called us to live in the realm of experience, not just in the realm of teaching and ideas. The realm of faith, faith. It's easier to talk about than it is to live out. Woodside had a team in Ecuador. And while they were there, they heard the story, This amazing story. Uh, this missionary family, they were very, very poor. They did not have food. They went all Saturday with no food. Sunday came. Dad dressed up in his best clothes. He went to church. The kids all went to church. They came back. They set the table They put all the dishes where they belong, the silverware, the glasses, everything was perfect. They sat down to eat. No food in the house. And Dad prayed from his heart, and he was praying, God, you are faithful. We believe you. We're a people of faith. We've told nobody our need. A knock came to the door. A lady showed up with a complete meal. She said, I just felt God wanted me to bring this to you today. They rejoice in the goodness of God. Now, sometimes we hear those stories about mission fields. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, that happens in mission fields. It doesn't happen where I live. But I think it does happen. I think sometimes we don't have the sensitivity. You know, our Holy Spirit Wi-Fi isn't really picking up what God's putting out. If we really pay attention, how many of you have been looking for a parking spot And you just knew God was going to give it to you. I mean, that happens to me all the time, right? Those little things, those little things. Oh, I didn't see that. Now I see that. It was like the Holy Spirit. You know, living by faith means we're in this constant connection with him in a very, very beautiful, beautiful way. The word faith, you know, comes with the idea of substance and power. And, you know, right now, every one of you could turn and tell somebody, of a faith story, a miracle, something that God has done in your life. Those are wonderful things to rehearse, absolutely wonderful. Go ahead, tell somebody something cool Jesus has done in your life, a faith thing. Go ahead, you've got 60 seconds, 58 seconds. Tell me something, honey. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we have a son, it's a miracle son he's adopted. And he's incredibly awesome. Wow, that's good. That's good. Thy kingdom come, his reign in our lives. Jesus, his kingdom of heaven, was on display through his entire life. He named disciples, he teaches us about the kingdom. He cures those who are sick, he casts out demons, he raised the dead, he challenged religious leaders, he performed miracles, he stilled storms, he healed mental illness, and he amazed the crowds everywhere he went. His kingdom advances, the power of sin is pushed back because he walked in the authority of the Father. It's amazing. We are called to be a people of faith who demonstrate what God is speaking to us so that the world will know that God is real and genuine. When the kingdom of God is reigning in our lives, then we too begin to reign in life. Life doesn't happen to us. When things happen as we sang this morning, we are still at our happiest moment. The word was glad in the lyrics of the song because we know Who is in charge? And faith, seriously, faith is a battle. Things come against us, and we need what is called the shield of faith because the darts of the enemy attack us continually to bring us down. And we want to take a look at two stories today, two narratives in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 5, verses 24 through 43. And in these stories, we see the great weight of despair in each situation as it comes into a collision with Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing is Jesus wasn't walking around. This is fresh. Downloading right here, okay? Jesus wasn't looking for desperate people. Desperate people are looking for him. That is powerful. I'm just tell you flat out, you want to be desperate this morning. I'm going to tell you, you are beautiful, you're amazing, you're a child of God, you're made in His image and likeness, and He has anointed you to be His messenger. But you're also desperate. We've got issues. We'll read about a lady who had an issue, right? And Jesus takes care of every single one of those. There's no way to live a fulfilling life unless you're Pressing after Jesus like the people in the story. Disease and death have no power when Jesus shows up. Our big thought for today is Jesus reigns over disease and death. Mark is uh, telling us two stories at the same time. You know, it's kind of like watching um, sitcoms on TV. You know, they like overlap these stories. You know, all the way back from the days of I Love Lucy to... um, Father Knows Best, and Last Man Standing. And, you know, they they weave these stories together. And it's the same in this situation. We have the story of uh, Jairus, who's a synagogue leader. He's a guy in a high position. And then we've got this woman who interrupts the story. She has an issue of blood for 12 years. And then we go back to the story of Jairus and his only daughter. So what results from Jesus' healing ministry? Our first point today is dignity is restored. Dignity is restored. Jesus is on his way. We're going to take this this story first. Jesus is on his way to uh, Jairus' home uh, because his daughter's sick. And uh, there's a crowd. A great crowd followed him. Okay, kind of picture this in your mind, okay, because there's a lot of reading. So, like, play the video, okay? A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years uh, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard reports about Jesus. Somebody was touched by Jesus, just like you, and they gave a report. She heard this report and said, I've got to have Jesus. All right? It's part of our role. She heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, and I don't know, how do you read Jesus' words, right? Did he turn around and say, who touched my garments? I don't, is that good? No, that's not good. Who touched my garments? It's like, what? How does he know? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. Can you imagine this woman 12 years? Right? I don't like it when I get a little cut and it bleeds for five minutes. Twelve years, twelve years. It's interesting, it's kind of funny, because Mark says that she suffered for twelve years, spent all she had, and the doctors did nothing for her and made her worse. Now Luke's gospel, Luke was a, what was Luke, what was his profession? A doctor. What does Luke say? Luke just says, that she didn't get any better. He didn't say that the doctors made her worse. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> this woman was far beyond the help of any physician. Doctors and nurses in our days treat or they practice, but God is the one who heals. We have sickness in our congregation. And it's good to know that God is the one who heals. And why is it easier for us to turn to the Lord when we're really sick? That always makes me feel bad. It's like I can lay on my sickbed and cry out to God like, I'm desperate. But aren't we desperate all the time? We're frail. We're animated dust. Temporarily living in these bodies, that's pretty frail. Just want us to be a people that cry out to God, like all the time. Just knowing that if anything good happens, it wasn't us, it was him. When something bad happens, we call it bad, he's there to pick us up. Total dependency is a wonderful thing. You know, I mean, I I went to um, Lumberjack yesterday. Only to buy stuff that I needed to buy, to fix stuff that I needed to fix. And Chris came with me. Now, how many of you ladies, like your favorite store is Lumberjacks or um, Home Depot? Okay, Brenda, thank you, Brenda. Thank you, thank you, (laughs) Julie. Whatever. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> you know, my wife does not go to Home Depot with a thrill. She just wants to be with me. I guess I'm the thrill. <laughs> but shouldn't we be like that toward Jesus? We just want to be with Him, like all the time. So don't wait till you're bleeding for 12 years, right? <laughs> We want to be with Jesus. This woman was desperate. She was ceremonially unclean. She was a reject in the society because of her sickness and her uncleanness. Her solution was, if I can only get close enough to Jesus. Wow. I've read that and it's like, if only I could get close enough to Jesus. I mean, what kind of a life would I be living? It's so exciting. Our solution is to get close enough to Jesus. Now, I'm sure this woman tried to hide her issue, right? She didn't broadcast it. It was a shameful thing. And I began to think about that. I have some shameful things. You do. But she brought her secret to Jesus. That's powerful. That's very, very powerful. She's not an outcast before him. His arms are wide open, wide open. In that day, there was a belief that if somebody touched somebody that had the power of God, that they would receive that same power. She took that belief and she put it into action. Her bleeding immediately stopped um, and she was made whole. Jesus could have kept walking, realizing, hey, somebody touched my garment. That's cool. Somebody got healed. Yay. Let's go to Jairus' house, right? But he didn't. He's not just interested in healing us. He's not just interested in putting food on the table. He's interested in an intimate relationship, a total dependency. You share your secrets with someone like that, and that's a very, very beautiful thing. There was an Argentine uh, revival uh, many years ago, uh, 1920s, and I met a lady. um, I was on a mission trip with her, and um, Helen Easterly, and she was sharing with me what happened at that revival. The presence of God was in the auditorium. It was the huge athletic arena uh, downtown in the capital city of Argentina. And people were coming. People were coming. They were getting healed. They were getting saved. And as she left the arena one day after the event, she heard uh, one of the guys say, Hey, man, he's talking to his friend. He goes. Get in there. You got anything wrong with you? I mean, cavities were being filled. Legs were being lengthened. You know, uh, polio patients were healed. All kinds of things were going on. People getting out of wheelchairs. The altar was filled with wheelchairs, you know, walkers and crutches. And this guy says, yeah, I got in there. And he goes, I got healed. I said, He said, the coolest thing is, I'm not even a Christian. I just got healed. Jesus is not interested in that. He's not interested in people joining the event to just get what they want from God. He's interested in an intimate relationship, that 24-7, that intimacy with him that is absolutely amazing. Miracles lead to relationships. That's God's plan. And God has met with every single one of us in some way. And when we're infused with his spirit, he wants us to walk out the two things he's told us to do, to love as he loves and to make disciples. Christ is made known in that way. An interesting thing, too, about the story is that this is the only place where Jesus uses this familial language, and he calls her his daughter. It's the only place in the gospel where Jesus uses this phrase daughter, daughter. And I want us to understand something about her faith because so many times we get the idea that if I could just believe, I'll just try to believe harder. But I want to I read to you what Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 8, it says this, it says, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. However, that faith is not of yourself. It's not something you build up. It is the gift of God. It's not through your good works, lest anybody should boast. So the point is, faith comes out of a relationship where we hear God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. This woman postured herself to hear what God was saying. Maybe like this woman, we have some physical challenges. Maybe our challenges are relational, relational. You know, in a world today where everything is so digitized, we've forgotten how to really connect with people. Or if you're from an average family, you have issues in your family. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Maybe it's past experiences. Something has made you sick, so there's an issue, so to speak, that you really have a tough time with, you know. Maybe your memory rehearses that and you you try to block it out. You feel the lack of dignity and worth, just like this woman. No matter what the current challenges or past challenges have been, we see in this passage that Jesus is the one who reigns. Amen. He heals and he restores to a place of honor and dignity. This woman's experience is recorded in the Bible so that we could all know and learn from her life. So the situation seems impossible. Do you have something like that today? where it just seems like, you know, this has been going on since I was a kid. You know, some of you have testified of feeling like the outcast within your own family, you know, and God wants to give you that place of dignity. Sickness can be debilitating on so many levels, an emotional level, a social level. We can actually be sick in our thoughts, and God wants to give us a new mind. I want to encourage you with the simple thought that God is a flipping God. He takes everything that is negative, everything that is hurtful, and he turns it into dignity, and he turns it into restoration, and he turns it, most of all, into a message. So today, in our desperate state, while we're the children of God, filled with His Spirit, called glorious before Him, He declares us perfect in His Word. That anything that is a remnant of the old nature can be flipped. Hannah, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, married to Alcana, was barren. It was a horrible reproach. She has the baby that God promised. She brings him, she presents him to Eli, who was a, not a, a, a good authority figure, but he was the priest. And she brings this child, and she's, she's filled with the Spirit of God. And she writes this song. She says, my heart exalts the Lord. My horn or my mouth is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies. By her word, she puts down her enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She goes on, she says, he raises the poor from the dust. He flips it and lifts the needy from the ash heap or the dunghill to make them sit with princes and inherit the seat of honor. This is what Jesus does. He takes our unworthiness. <laughs> he takes our weakness. He takes our hang-ups, our issues. And he turns them into a very, very beautiful message. He takes uneducated fishermen. He takes people from immoral backgrounds and he gives them a message and they become his messengers. As a matter of fact, that's his genealogy. He makes lepers clean. God is not chosen. He doesn't call. He says, consider, for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. (laughs) I feel awkward telling you that many of you were not wise. Not many of you were powerful. (laughs) This is the word of God. Not many of noble birth. But God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Is that cool? Doesn't that just humble you in a comfortable, wonderful way? Your lowliness... Your awkwardness, your issues, God breathes on that. God chose that which is low and despised in this world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Can we be thrilled and fully lit in our spirit with the light of God to proclaim the miracles of God in our lives? We are saved and we are not going to hell. God has done great things in our lives. Our second major point today is we look at this story, now we, we're, we're going to look at uh, Jairus' story that tells us about the healing, and um, life is resurrected in this portion of Scripture. Again, let's put the video head back on, and as I read a lengthy portion, let's play the video. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, he's back in Jewish territory now, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, uh, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Uh, Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Uh, Jumping down to verse 35, it says, and while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house one who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing uh, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe, this faith issue again. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking. She was about 12 years of age. Jairus, he was somebody of importance. He was in the upper crust of uh, the social, religious culture of that day. And yet, with all of his authority, he had no power whatsoever in this situation. He was just a dad. Luke tells us, that this girl was his only child, his only child. He's emotionally distraught, just like the woman who was healed. Verse 36 says, but overhearing what they said uh, to the ruler, he said, fear not, only believe. Faith is crucial when we're facing these situations. It's a matter of life and death. Do we believe in the circumstances? Or do we believe in the power of God? The word believe there is in the imperative tense, which is telling us to continue believing. We had a death in my family. My mom, and I'm a lot like her, loved color. She loved autumn. But it wasn't good enough to stay in Michigan and look at the leaves. She wanted to see the leaves on the side of a mountain in New Hampshire. So she went to New Hampshire, took a tour, got on a ski lift at 64 years old, right? She's kind of a small little frail lady, and she had a heart attack on a ski lift. It's like, Mom, what were you thinking? So uh, they rushed her to a hospital, and the doctor called and said, "Um, you need to get here right away. Your mom um, is in very serious condition. And if you want to see her alive, you need to get here. So I only told Chris and my mom's sister. We got in the car, drove straight to New Hampshire, prayed, 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 and prayed, knowing that God is a God of great power. We got there. The doctor came out. Remember, right where we're sitting, can see the whole scene. He came out. He had a very strange look on his face. Uh, Maybe he was just strange looking. I don't know. But it looked like a strange look. He walked over to us, and he said, I have only read about this. I have never seen it. It's one in a million or billion. Your mom was dead. She was dead so long that her body was stiff, and she came back to life. My mom came back to life. We put her in the car, very gently. We drove her home. She had surgery, and she lived to be 79 years old. She lived. We serve a God of resurrection. These things really happen. I did not make that up. They don't just happen on mission fields. These things can happen in our lives. On the other hand, my mother-in-law, who is an amazing Wild Christian woman, right? She never went anywhere without Bibles in her trunk because she's going to make Christ known. She had a disease, and we prayed, and she died. But she died with dignity. She died with a smile on her face. She died with a, a restoration in her relationships. She died beautifully. She brought glory to God through her death. So whether we live or die, the point is that God be glorified through our lives. And that's a very, very beautiful, contrasting story there. I think sometimes there are dead areas in our lives. We may have given up on something that we had an inkling about that God wants us to accomplish, and that's why Paul writes in Ephesians, Therefore... Awaken, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You know, we need a spiritual resurrection many times in our lives. I'm a dreamer. I dream really, really, really big. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. He never saw it, but he didn't stop dreaming. That city is now portrayed in the book of Revelation clearly. Clearly. God wants us to imagine the great things that he has planned. For thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Christ's reign in our lives. Remember when you were baptized, when you first got saved, was there a thrill? Is that still going on today? That is something that God wants to revive within us. Life happens, and sometimes we can can get distracted by the things of life. Jesus gave us these stories. He recorded these events so that we would be able to identify with this woman and this issue and identify with uh, Jairus' daughter who is dead. Something was lost in life. His daughter was going to be gone and God brought resurrection life. I don't know about you, but I, I want what has been lost in my life through my own foolishness. I want it restored in a way that God can use it to promote his kingdom. I mean, what else are we doing here? Do I really need to do another painting and sell it? Only for the glory of God, right? And these issues that we have, God wants to resolve every single one of them. When we're on fire for God, the world sees his light in us. And our final and third point is, the world is amazed. The world is amazed, The world needs to be amazed because you walk here, amen? People need to look at you and go, wow! (laughs) Not that you have nice hair, but there's something about you that's radiating. I was in Starbucks in California last week, and I placed the order. Chris and I were there. And I never even talked to this particular guy, right? And uh, they got the order. They forgot to put my name on the order. No big deal. I went the next morning to pick up our coffee, and um, I walked in, and the guy says, oh, you're Joe. You were here yesterday. It's like, I didn't even talk to him, right? And he goes, yeah, and you ordered, um, you know, a latte, oat milk latte, blind shots, choc- uh, vanilla syrup in it. I go, wow, you're amazing. He goes, oh, yeah, and we forgot to put your name on the order, and you also got the egg bites. I said, now you're just showing off. <laughs> so yesterday, I pulled into Starbucks, uh, Chesterfield, and I come up to the, the speaker. I place my order, and the, girl, and the girl says, "Oh, hi, Joe." And I'm like, "What the heck is going on, Chris?" And I looked at each other. So we pulled up, and I said to her, "I said, like, okay, what is with you people?" I said, "You people." I said, "I was in California, told her story, and now I'm here, and you know who I am. Why?" You know what she said? (laughs) We remember nice people. I didn't go, uh. (laughs) Somebody did. I said, oh, uh," I said, I got to tell you something. I am not nice. (laughs) I am not nice. And Chris is sitting there, right, hon? Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Okay. I said, I am not nice, you know. the only thing nice about me is I have committed my life to Jesus Christ. And she's, she looked at me like, oh, uh, okay, here's your coffee. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but I mean, we need to make Christ known. That's why we're on the planet. If we're not doing that, I got a feeling we're all going to be in trouble. We need to take these issues in our lives and use them for the kingdom. I'd love for us to say today, I'm a mess. I have to have Jesus. And when we get him, not only are the issues of our lives stopped, but resurrection power comes in that place where we're failures, where there's death. Both of these characters had faith. Both of them portrayed a neediness. Both of them did not care about how they looked in front of other people. Jairus could have faced all kinds of, you know, hassles and taunting from his religious leaders. Don't you know that's Jesus? We're not supporting his ministry, right? Even the disciples pushed children away from Jesus. They might have pushed this woman with this issue of blood away from him as well because she was unclean. Nobody had regard for their social standing. A lady came the other day and bought a couple pans. panties. She goes, well, I can't buy this one because my friends will think it belongs in the kitchen, not in the living room. I'm like, Really? Let's get over this, okay? <laughs> You're a big girl. <laughs> but we have those issues in our lives. Can we get real today? Do you have a draining issue in your life? And is there something that's dead that you want to see resurrection life come into it again? You know, I, I thought this is a body of Christ and we're to feed one another beautifully. And I think that's a great thing. I was going to have us all pray for each other, and I just thought, you know, we can do that. But then, while you're praying for somebody who's praying for you, and it would just get kind of weird. So let's stand together right now, and let's intercede. You know, we're Americans. A lot of times, it's, it's about us. And like that Argentine revival, You know, when God comes into a space, everybody knows. And I know, you know, it'd be nice for you to have your issue dealt with in your resurrection life. But I'd like for us to all just pray at the same time this morning. Let's just lift our voices before God. And let's not make it just about me. Let's make it about us. Because the deal today is Christ reigns. Thy kingdom come. It's not a little deal. It's a big deal. And if you get taken care of, I'm happy. But if we all get taken care of today because we intercede for one another, then God will be made known. Because when you walk in your brokenness, You're walking in your healing. When you walk in that which is dead, you can walk in the resurrection power of God. And this community will know that Jesus has touched down. Amen? Are you going to be timid this morning? When I say let's all pray, can you open your mouth and cry out to God? I mean, God. (laughs) It's not. We should be unashamed. We should have a holy boldness because the Spirit of God lives within us. And how many of you want the kingdom of God? Raise your hand. Amen. How many of you wanted enough to raise your voice in prayer this morning? Let's do this. Father God, we cry out to you this morning. We have needs among us. Lord, we are broken. And you called us in our brokenness. You know who we are. And you know where you want us to be. You know the light that you want to shine through us. You know those issues that handicap us. Father God, I just pray today that your word will have entry into every single heart. And it'll be a creative word like in the beginning. And you've spoken to being the freedom and the liberty that you want us to have. May we never be ashamed, but may we be bold may our dignity be restored, may we have resurrection life, and may the world see and be amazed. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family